Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So good to see you. Hey, just, uh, just FYI, next Sunday is Mother's Day. Um, so don't forget, okay? Don't forget. But also, um, we're going to do child dedication. It's going to be a lot of fun. We do this every Mother's Day. It's going to be a blast. And so you go to faith.church slash kids, and, uh, and you can sign up for um, child dedication. It's going to be really, really, really great. Um, also, I just want to celebrate. We baptized 46 people last Sunday. Isn't that awesome? So great. So appreciate what God is doing and uh, doing in our, in our church and in our house and in our community. And we're going to continue to lean in and just trust God to guide us. Amen. But guys, listen, we're continuing this series on the life of Paul. And it's, uh, it's, it's really great. I've, I've just been enjoying um, studying this and leaning into this. And Paul lived a life of great adventure. I mean, he was like the super apostle. He did things that no one else did. And we see God's hand on his life. And so the, the, the point of this series is for us to look at his life and to look at his words and receive what God has for us from his life. Because God wants to speak to you. What I know about the word of God is that the word of God transforms us. The word of God speaks to us. The word of God guides us. The word of God brings clarity. And as we lean in, we can see this in the life of Paul. Who Paul once persecuted the church. He then started building the church. God used them. He was transformed by the one who actually he was persecuting. When, when Jesus showed up to him, he said, Paul, why do you, or Saul, why do you persecute me? And so Jesus saves someone who is actually persecuting Jesus. And, and that's the deal too. When you, when you mess with God's kids, you're actually messing with God. Okay. You need to understand that. And so God won't tolerate that for very long. Same way in, in churches, he'll, he'll give grace to, let's say church leaders or pastors who are, who are using God's people for their own gain. He'll give them grace for a season, but then he says enough is enough. And so God loves his kids, doesn't he? Well, turn and tell someone and say, God loves you. And so God also shows up for our defense when it's needed. And so God did this in Paul's life. And so Paul's life has been totally flipped upside down. I mean, it, his whole life is, has, been, has been wrecked and God gives him the calling to go to the nations and preach to the nations about Jesus, about this gospel that he carried. And it was for a reason. God saved Paul for a reason. And God has a plan for the nations of the world. He has a plan that, that through the, the life of Jesus Christ, that the nations would be saved. So also I want you to know God has a plan for our city as well. So, so, so much we can be enamored by the nations, the big woe out there that we forget. God has a plan for our nation. God has a plan for, our, for your neighbor. God has a plan for those in your life who don't know Jesus. And here's the plan. Jesus is the plan for those who don't know Jesus. There is no other plan. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the plan. How, how, how do we want healing in our, in our families, in our lives, in our nation, in our city? I'll tell you, it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how. That's how it's going to happen. And we must not forget that as, as a church. And you see this manifested through the life of Paul. 
What we need to understand is that the day and age that Paul lived in was not much different than where we are today. So the answer to the nations when Paul was preaching the gospel is the same today, it's Jesus. And it's the same things that are are going on. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is to flow through us as followers of Jesus, through our lives and through our faith as we live in the world that God has placed us in. And so we need to understand then where are we as a church? Where are we in society? Where do you live? Where are you and where we are today in this world? We need to understand that we need to come really to the stark reality. We live in a post-Christian society. Now, I I would love to say, no, no, that's not true, but I'd be lying. We live in a post-Christian society. Now, this, this doesn't mean like, oh, ain't it awful? This is terrible. It is bad, yes. But listen, when a, the way I see it is when a society becomes post-Christian, what that means to me is they're actually pre-Christian because we're going to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's not, it's not like, oh, it's, uh, you know, we're doomed. No, no, no. If you have the gospel in your gut and can come out of your mouth to share it to someone, there is hope in this world. It's just our calling, as it was Paul's, to live that out. And so, you know, th- there was a day when, when we lived in, the, in a society where there was reverence for God. There was a day, um, even w- with unbelievers, there was a reverence for God. There was a time that the world was more God conscious. They were aware, particularly our, us as a nation. So there was a day you could ask people Hey, where do you go to church? And most people would say, oh, I go here, I go there. There was a day if you actually didn't go to church, your boss would ask you why you weren't at church the next day. There was a time when, when this was, Christianity was a part of, of culture. And so, um, actually, there's a period of time, it lasted about 1,700 years after the resurrection of Jesus and the, and the preaching of the gospel to the nations, 1,700 years where Christianity was the center of the Western culture. It was the center. In other words, a lot of who we are and and what we did as a nation flowed from Christianity. And so this was a, it was was a time of Christendom where 10 commandments were in common spaces like schools and courthouses or government buildings or, or phrases like under God were added to like the pledge of allegiance. And it was because There was an understanding of Christianity in our culture. So the idea that that we live in a society that is is Christian is crazy because it's not. This is the world that Paul stepped into. So there was a time when, when, there was a time when there wasn't gender fluidity. There was a time when marriage was between one man and one woman. There was a time where drug use was not accepted in the church or drug use wasn't just a common part of of life. There was that time. And friends, we ain't there no more, right? And so we can either go, oh my gosh, and it's awful, or we can go, hang on a second, Paul actually understands exactly where we are because this is the world in which God put him in. So there was was a time 
where Christians weren't demonized. There was a time that biblical values weren't looked down. There was a time, but again, we're not there anymore. There was a time that there was a moral consensus within our society that, that was built on the scriptures, but we're not there anymore. And so it's important for us to understand that our geography has changed. Our spiritual geography has changed. And we can say, yes, we can long for the good old days, or we can say, hang on a second, but God has set me in this time and this space to where I am today to be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ in my city, in my neighborhood, in my nation, and I'm gonna do something about what I see around me, okay? Like, we, we, we can say that. And the truth is, many believers aren't equipped to thrive in their faith in the world that we find ourselves in. We're not equipped. The truth is there, there are church leaders and churches and, and, and pastors who, who, don't, who don't feel prepared to live and to be what God's called us to be as Christians in today's society. And the truth is many Christians today are thinking and acting like they are living in the era of Christendom. And so they don't know what to do when the world around them is, is like, what is going on? Well, it's because we think we're living in a world of Christendom, but we, we, we don't. That means God has put us in this time and space to be a light for him where we are today. This is, a, this is an invitation by God. Here you are. We are living in uncharted waters. We are, we are in uncharted territory. And so when we try to look at the playbook on how to live our lives when we were living in Christendom, you're, it's going to be totally irrelevant to the culture around us that needs Jesus. We, we really have a lot in common with, with uh, the explorers of Lewis and Clark. They, they, were, they were tasked with the expedition of discovering the western parts of the U.S. after the Louisiana Purchase, and, and they began the journey of an unexplored west, uncharted territory. And they thought, and so did everyone else think, that it's the same geography as, as the east. And so that's what they thought. They prepared for what they knew. They prepared for the geography the, the, of, of the land. They prepared for what they were familiar with. And they quickly discovered everything they thought actually about the West was totally wrong. And they had to adapt. And they had to come to the stark reality, like, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, things are different. And they had to adjust. Now, they didn't change their purpose of the exploration. The purpose remained. But they, but they didn't also go through the West acting like it was the East. They made adjustments. They came to the stark reality. I'm living in a different world and either I, I change and I, and I adapt or this world is going to overcome me. And we're living in a world that's changing fast, but our purpose hasn't changed. We're living in a world that maybe you never expected, but your purpose still remains the same that God is guiding us as his people 
in uncharted waters, not just spiritually, but even in our own personal lives with families, like things, things happen fast, the vocation and school. And there isn't a common idea that this is how you live your life, point A to point B. It's we are, we have a lot of options in front of us and things just ain't what it used to be. And I can say ain't because I'm Southern, so I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it. So it, it just, it isn't what it used to be. And so how does God lead you in uncharted territory. Maybe some of you are here today and you are in uncharted territory personally, maybe in, in, a, in a relationship, maybe in your marriage, maybe with your family, or maybe your kids are at a different age and you're like, I've never parented this age before. I think it's crazy. Like you, you have your first child, you're like, I've never had a child before. And then right when you think, oh, I think I, I, I got this figured out, they're gone. And it's like, well, I don't know what to use all my knowledge on now, but so sorry, you know. It's like there, there is this idea that you, you are thrust into situations that you got to figure it out. And so this is exactly where the Apostle Paul found himself. Uncharted territory. And so I want us to look at Acts chapter 16, and this was Paul's second missionary trip. And up to this point, he had planted several churches, and now he wants to go and visit them. He wants to encourage them. He takes a man named Silas from the church in Jerusalem, and they make their way to Lystra. And a young man, while he's there, stands out to Paul. He's like, man, this guy's got, got some stuff on his life that I, I sense God's call on his life. That young man, his name was Timothy. He was like, this guy's got the groceries for the, for the ministry. I want him to come with me. So they did, and they continued, and they continued visiting these churches that Paul had planted. Now, on a side note, when you see Paul... Returning to these churches, I want you to understand this. The local church mattered to Paul. The local church matters to God. And so I, I'm moved by his concern for the local church. I mean, he just didn't plant these churches and say, hey, figure it out. No, he was committed to them. Now, why, why did he do that? Why did he go back to these local churches? It's because local church matters to Jesus. Therefore, it mattered to Paul. Because Paul loved Jesus, Jesus loved the church, so Paul's like, I'm going to love the church then. And so, listen, you can, you can love the church and really not love Jesus, but you can't love Jesus and not love the church. Because this matters. Our gathering matters. The local church matters. And so Paul went through mountain, rugged mountains. He went through hostile territories. All of his all out of his love for Jesus. And he went to encourage the church because Paul loved what Jesus loved. And the local church really matters. And so over time, we have, again, uncharted territory. Over time, there's been a devaluing of, of local church. It just has, and naturally, probably just because of busyness of life. And, and, and many believers today don't belong to a local church. They don't, or they have like, oh, I have three churches. No, that, you don't have any church. They don't have a pastor in their life. They don't have other believers around them. They don't have, uh, they don't come together and worship. They don't hear the word of God together. They don't fellowship together. And there's a mindset in, in believers that we have received from the culture that we are living in 
that we don't need a church. We don't need a pastor. We don't, we don't need um, we, we don't need it because we have believed the lie as the rest of the, the culture has probably seduced us into, well, the church is just a business or it's just a, it's organized religion. And I don't do organized religion. I just love Jesus, me and my Bible, and, and I, it's just me and Jesus. That sounds great. It's just not biblical. Paul loved the local church and he set churches up. He set pastors. He set leaders. And then Though these pastors and leaders were given much responsibility, they also were given much consequences if they, if they use God's people for their own personal gain. So there, there is, but this mattered to Paul. And so we live in a day and age where local church really, it's, a, it's, it's kind of this thing like, oh yeah, 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 local church. But I don't really need it. I, I, I just love Jesus. And, and, but Paul, it mattered to Paul. There's also the language that, you know what, I don't, I don't go to church, I am the church. Yeah, that's, that's true. But the gathering of believers in uncharted territory, in uncharted world is very, very important. The gathering of a, of a like you are my family. Like we, we are growing together, we worship together, we hear God's word together, we challenge each other. And the beautiful thing about the local church is this, that teachers, business leaders, tradesmen and women, athletes, government officials, salespeople, factory workers, accountants, professors, all gather in submission to Christ. And we, what we do or do not do holds nothing in our, on our identity when we gather because our titles are utterly insignificant to the title that we all share together, and that is child of God. The cross is the, is the great equalizer. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul loved the local church. And we need to understand that in uncharted territory, the local church really, really matters. And I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to, to love your church. Love where God has set you. Love your pastor. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You, you know, just make, just make a commitment. I'm, you know what? Paul loved the church. Jesus loved the church. I'm going to love the church. And then walk that out and allow God to bless your life. Because when you start loving what he loves, he starts blessing you. Because it's just like in your family. Listen, if, if, you, want, if you want to get my favor, you love on my wife. Right? You're kind to her. You, if, if, you, if you want, you love all my family. Because why? She's my bride. If you, if you want to you get my wrath, then hey, be mean to my wife, okay? Why? Because I'm, I'm a husband. And Jesus loves his church. And you wanna, if you want to receive a favor from him, start loving his church. Amen? Everybody say, you got it. All right, good. All right. Now, I, I want us to focus on today this idea of uncharted territory. Because I believe that the life of Paul, God wants to speak to some of you today. All of us, I believe, wants to speak to you about how to navigate uncharted territory. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. But this could be it, within our culture this will apply. This will also apply to your personal life. But Paul is on this journey. He's, he's on this missionary trip. And so in Acts 16... They, they went through the region of, of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden, I want you to see this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word 
in Asia. So there was something that forbid them. They are uncharted territory. The gospel's never been preached. No one from Jerusalem has ever gone to these nations that needed Jesus. This is, this is a, a new world that they're living in. And they're forbidden. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bith, Bithynia. I'm, I'm just making these pronouncements. I'm just pronouncing this however I want, so that's fine. But the spirit of Jesus, look, look, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they're in uncharted territory. They're forbidden by the Holy Spirit to actually go and speak in Asia. Well, wouldn't God want them to speak in Asia? Yeah, because eventually he does. Paul comes back around, but not here. Then they are, they're hindered or stopped by the, by the Spirit of Jesus. So you have the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh. You have Jesus says, uh-uh. So passing by Mysiah. I just make up another one. They, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he, he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they're in uncharted territory. This is where we are. All of us are in some type of uncharted territory. What I love about this passage, you have, you, have the, uh, you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus, and then this last verse, God had called us to preach the gospel. You have the, you have the Trinity represented and how God leads us and guides us. So whatever you're facing today, you serve a God who, and when you are walking or making decisions about things in your life that you've never done before, God is faithful to stop you, to hinder you, and to also prompt you and lead you. Amen. We need to understand this. We are not living this world alone, figuring things out by ourselves. God is faithful to you if you will submit to him and say, God, you just guide me and lead me. But for these men, somewhere along the journey, they decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to Asia. They're like, we're going to go to Asia. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not. Have you ever set out? They're like, hey, we're going to go do this. And then all of a sudden, you, the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not. And you're like... Why? And then he doesn't say anything. But in uncharted territory, we have to tune our ears to the voice of the Spirit. So we don't know why. We don't know why not Asia, because on Paul's third missionary journey, he goes to Asia. But we don't know why. Also, we don't know how they were forbidden. Like, you know... a lot of people have this question, well, how did, you said God spoke to you, what, is, what does his voice sound like? What did he say? How did that happen? Well, we don't know how. I don't know if they saw a vision. Maybe they didn't have peace. I don't know. But when you're in uncharted territory, you've got to listen to the voice of the Spirit, the prompting of the Spirit. Listen, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you that was given to you by God to guide you, to lead you, to speak to you, to give you supernatural gifts and ability and discernment and ideas. And listen, that, that's His Spirit lives in you. You need to understand that. And we're living in a world that's like, oh no, this is uncharted territory. Hey, here's the great thing that we understand is that we have one who guides us and leads us living inside of us. You are not alone in uncharted territory. If you find yourself there today, no need to worry. 
You've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You've got, you've got a God who is guiding your steps and understands your humanity, your frailty. He is faithful to lead you and guide you just like he did the Apostle Paul. So we don't know how they were blocked. But the reality is this, when we're facing uncharted territory, navigating decisions about your life, this is what I want you to, to understand today, that God out of his faithfulness to you, that God prevents you from doing certain things. He stops you. He forbids you. It's not, it's not because it's a sin. It's not because it's just he's like, no. And we have to listen to that. So there are all different kinds of ways that God speaks to us. But we need to understand, we also, he also stops us and prompts us and says no. It's the, it's the divine no that God gives to us. So when you're exploring things in uncharted territory, and there, there, are, there are doors that you see open and doors that you see are closed or, or doors that shut in your face, we're not to despair and go, why God, why would you, why would that door close or why would this happen or why would that opportunity not come through? We need to understand that God is the God who's guiding your footsteps. God's the God who's leading you. God's the God who closed that door on purpose for you. God's the God who stopped that relationship, that girlfriend, boyfriend, or fiance for, for you. you. Yes, you might be heartbroken, but also you need to understand this. God is faithful, and you should be re rejoicing that he shut that door for you. He's the God who stops things when we submit our lives to him. God closes doors on purpose. And what we need to understand also is that when God closes a door... It's not always a denial by God. It's just a delay, and God is aligning other things to come into alignment, and it's about his timing. And we serve a God who actually cares about getting us where we need to be when we need to be there. Amen? You need to understand that. So if you don't know what God is doing, then you just trust him and wait, and he is faithful like he was to Paul to guide you and lead you when you don't know. So the reason why you don't know is because it's not time for you to know. And when it's time for you to know that God's faithful, he's gonna show you what to do. So it was obvious God was leading them and you don't see anywhere that there was a despair. You don't see that, that when they were forbidden to go to Asia, they didn't go, oh, Paul, did you miss God? Uh, we were going, you said we were, I thought you were a man of God and what, God changed his mind now? Like uh, what's going on? You don't see them despair. You don't see them in, in having a panic attack. They just keep on trusting God. They trusted that God's going to order their steps. And friends, listen, God will order your steps if you'll surrender your steps to God. God will order you. And God will walk with you. And God will keep you when you don't know what's going on. He will lead you and guide you. I think one of the mindsets that keeps people from experiencing the supernatural hand of God in their life is that while they are on a journey or heading from point A to point B, they don't allow God to speak to them. They, because we get caught in this prideful cycle. There was a time that 
Cheryl and I, God had really prompted us and led us to take a step and to um, go into full-time missions. And so we did that. And as we were looking at everything that was going on, looked like we were actually going to South Africa. Many, this is many years ago, we were going to go to South Africa. We're going to work with an organization called All Nations. So we were on the way and we told people, this is where we're going. We told people, this is what we sense God is saying. And then as we were preparing for this, I got this sense that God's like, you're not going there. And I thought, oh no. And this is what I told God. I said, God, don't you know how many people I told I was going to South Africa? <laughs> Which revealed the pride in my own heart. And God says, do you think I care how many people you told you were going to South Africa? <laughs> now, and I kept it to myself because I was like, I didn't have the faith to actually say it. I was trying to figure it out. And I remember, I remember I was sitting on the computer and, and Cheryl walks down the stairs we were, and she sits on the stairs and she looks at me and I'm like, hey. She's like, I don't think we're supposed to go to South Africa. And I was like, I think you're right. And then I called the people who were supporting us to go to South Africa. And I said, we're not going to South Africa. And, you know, kind-hearted, good people go, did, did God change his mind? Um, no. But he said, we're not going. So we're not. And so we respond out of obedience in those moments. And it's, it's what people miss is that they don't allow God to speak to them along the way. And they, and they try to map out everything. Guys, listen, the Holy Spirit moves and ebbs and flows while, wherever he chooses. I don't want to be at, at over here when the Spirit's over here because I'm too prideful to say, actually, God's leading us here. I don't want to be there. I don't want us as a church to miss what God is doing because, yeah, but we said this. So we follow him and we see Paul leaning in to the, to the guidance of the Lord. And God leads people in different ways. In uncharted territory, though God is speaking and he wants to guide you and lead you through his spirit. So this, this though, it's not, this is descriptive of how God was guiding them. It's not prescriptive, meaning it's not the way God always does it, but it is a way that God does it. He hinders and he stops us from going places we actually set in our mind we were gonna go. So, Eventually, Cheryl and I ended up in England. So we, God said, not South Africa. And then all of a sudden, he said, go to England. So we were there. And things were going great in England. Things were awesome. We loved the UK. We loved the people of the UK. We, God's favor. I mean, I, it was supernatural how we arrived there. So we're there. You think all the, all the, all the data points to you're here forever. So we sold everything, we got rid of everything, we're living in England to reach the British people and because that's what God called us to do. And then out of nowhere, God speaks to me in a dream that we're to come here. And this is what the dream was. I was sitting across a table from Pastor George who was the pastor then, and he says, and he had the big Pastor George smile on his face that everybody knows, and he says, Jason, God's done a lot in your life over the last few years. Will you come back and help us? That was it. I woke up from the dream. We were having the time of our lives. 
We were seeing the prosperity of God. We were seeing people come to Christ. We were, God, it, it, our, our kids were, were having a great time. They were flourishing. Our daughter had a British accent. I mean, it was great. It was, <laughs> our son held on to his American roots. He was like, no, I'm not giving up. But it, things were wonderful. And I remember I thought, why? Why would God lead us? This is, I, what is going on? And I, I remember I, I woke up and I, I said, Cheryl, um, I think God is speaking to us. And I think we're to go back to faith. And she said, that's not God. I didn't understand it. She didn't understand it. And God, through a series of circumstances, confirmed all the way. Bizarre how God did it. I won't go into all the details. But why? Why would God lead us to England, be there for a few years, then lead us back to, why didn't we just stay here? I mean, it just would have been easier. And, and, and we were coming back, we, we came back as the missions pastor. There was never any plans for me to be here doing this. It was, we just came back out of obedience to God. And so God, why was it? God stopped us to be in England and prompted us to come here. And that's how God works. Sometimes he does things that don't make any sense. And we see this with Paul. And we see this in our lives that God leads us through different manners and different times. When you're in uncharted territory, you need the prompting and the leading of God's spirit to give you wisdom, to give you discernment, and to make sure and to help you get where he wants you to be. Because he cares more about you getting where he's called you to be than you do. And he's a faithful God that has, will not leave his children wondering if, if you're like, God, lead me and guide me. He's like, I, I will. But God, can you tell me when you're going to tell me? He's like, nope, just trust me. And that is the journey of faith. And we see this in the, in the life of Paul. So this is how God leads people. So when you're in uncharted territory, even without receiving divine visions or dreams, we can still make decisions that honor God and lead us and lead our families when we need God to guide us and lead us. And so I'm going to give you three, three things on how to navigate uncharted territories from the life of Paul. Number one, God directs you through both closed and open doors. It's just not open doors, but he directs you through closed and open doors. The first two places that they had decided to go, they got a divine no from God. Like, nope. But as you see, divine no's from God actually lead to a divine yes somewhere else. And when you say no to something because you feel God telling you to say it, that means you're saying yes to whatever he has next for you. It means you are dying to your ego and dying to your pride and trusting that God's gonna lead you and guide you. David Livingston, one of the great missionaries of all time, he wanted to go to China. He set out for China. He ended up in Africa. Why? Because he allowed God to speak to him along the way. William Carey, another great missionary, wanted to go to Polynesia. Along the way, he ended up in India. Did God change his mind? No. God just was speaking along the way. 
And what we learn from the Apostle Paul is God restrains us. He also prompts us. He prevents us. And he also permits us. And we need to understand that. That God wants to lead and guide you. Number two, God leads you personally and communally. So when you read this passage, there's this language that comes up. It's personal, but it's also communal. There are terms. They, he says, them, we, us. This is about God leading and guiding, not just your steps through you and God, but through communal, through the people around you. God guides you and leads you as you follow him, as you take steps of faith. He guides you and leads you. That's why being a part of a local church is important because God speaks and uses the people around you. He speaks and uses the gathering. And also, you also are to do your own research. Figure out what data points and what does it mean if, you've, if you feel like God's leading you to do this or do, do some research. Gather information about the direction that you're going. F figure it out. You talk to other godly people. How did God lead you? And what is God saying to you? And this is why God calls us to be a part of a, of a family. And by faith, you try to come up with the right conclusion based on what is known, based on God's character, based on how God led someone else. But you, can con you conclude, this is what God is calling me to do. So I'm going to start moving that direction and trust that he's going to speak to me along the way. So we, we look at counsel of others. That's what, you, what we see with Paul. They discern together. This is what God was saying. That's what I appreciate so much about our, our leadership team here as a, a pastoral team, but also as our elders. We discern together. We actually believe that we have the same Holy Spirit in all of us. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. We actually believe that God can bring unity amongst people together for discerning his heart and his direction for the future. That's called the body of believers. I, I so love that about our, our leadership here is we want to move forward based off of what God is saying and based off of what we discern God is saying to all of us together as a church. That's very powerful. And when you do that, God can order your steps in a way that's beautiful and he gets all the glory and it's not some man that says, see, look at, I'm the prophet. No, it is God led us by his grace and his faithfulness and he will do the same in your life. I want you to know that God will lead you in uncharted territory. And number three, what we can learn, God often will lead you gradually and systematically as well as suddenly and unpredictably. This is how God leads us. And so some of you are facing decisions today that it's, you felt like it was gradual and it's systematic and God is leading you that way and you're, you're discerning that. Some of you, it's like God has spoken, it's sudden and unpredictable. And sometimes when you're following God, it's uh, a missionary described it this way. Remember those, those strings that that you used to pull on to turn on lights. You know, remember those? Anyone still have some of those strings? Okay, all right. Um, don't you hate it when the string breaks and then you're like, okay, anyway. So, but it's like when you're trying to discern God's will, it's like walking into a dark room, you know there's a string in there somewhere. And you, you kinda, you, you, you gotta start looking. And, and, you're, and you hit something, and, oh, you, you know, hit your knee and, and you, you feel something and then, you, then it's moving, then you can't find it and then finally you get it, boom, ah, there it is. That's much 
what it's like when you're discerning God's will. There's a, there's a journey with God that he brings you on. You discover him. You find his faithfulness. You, he, he's like, walk in that room and start waving your, your, your arms, son. I'm going to show you something. And it's by faith you do it. It's by faith you walk it out. It's by faith that you stand for your faith. It's, it's by faith that you make decisions. It's by faith that we give to God through the church he's put us, put us in. It's by faith that you make decisions based off of Scripture. It's by faith. And you don't know how it's going to turn out. But you follow God. And you trust God in uncharted territory. He is faithful to lead you and to guide you. And Paul's journey began with a simple idea. Go Revisit the churches that you planted. And so he did. But the journey and the pathway doesn't follow a neatly ordered formula. Listen, God, is, God isn't a formula. He's a relationship. And so the pathway to your, God's will in your life is not, not this systematic formula. It's about following him being led by him, allowing him to, to stop you from going somewhere, allowing him to open doors, allowing and, and discerning what God is saying. Listen, following God, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't. But there are things that by faith God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to, I want you to be led by me. And anything you do out of faith, God blesses. Anything, if you make a decision because you truly believe that's what God is leading you to do and it doesn't violate scripture, God will bless you for your faith. God honors faith. God is pleased by faith. I often, um, in my prayer life, I, was, I, I, I read the, the book of the five love languages and I was just talking with God and had this, I go, God, what's your, what's your love language? Like what makes, what can I do that blesses you and makes you feel loved? And I just, I just heard it as clear as a bell. When you trust me without knowing the outcomes, that makes me feel loved. And I said, the Lord, I trust you. I trust you with my life. I'll trust you with my children. I'll trust you with my provision. I'll trust you. There are times I stand up here and preach things that I think, Lord, I don't know how this is going to grow a church with what I'm saying. It's, it feels polarizing in our society. Or, and the Lord says, do you trust me? And when you follow God, it's, it's not about what makes sense. It's about you trusting the goodness and the sovereignty of your God. It's about by faith honoring him with your life. You make decisions not based off of what everyone thinks. You make decisions based off of what God says in his word. And you step out and you believe for big things. And you believe that God is looking for people that he wants to use to transform our society. He wants to transform this city. He wants to transform your family. He wants to transform our nation. God cares about where you are. And he, he understands that we are in an unpredictable time. But we serve a God that is never surprised by any happenings ever. He's not surprised. But he has called you, wherever you are today, to navigate the uncharted waters by faith. 
and to lean in and to say, God, I want to end up where you want me to be. Lord, I know this door is open in front of me, but do you want me to walk through it? Is there a sense of God leading you through that door? Have you submitted your plans to the Lord? Or, or are you just navigating from point A to point B? Because God, it's not, it, sometimes God leads you point A to point B. Sometimes God leads you from like point C to seven. It's like, what? How does that connect? God does it. And so I just, I want to encourage you in, in uncharted waters, we, got, we have to think differently about how we make decisions about the future and about our lives because God wants to use you. And like he did Paul, he used Paul to preach the gospel to nations that had never heard. He, he used Paul to, I mean, a shipwreck and, and he, they wash up on the shore and they build a fire and, and a snake comes out and bites Paul in the arm and, and it's a viper and he shakes it off into the fire and the, the locals who were pagan were like, oh, Paul's God and they try to worship him and Paul's like, no, I'm not. But let me tell you about the one who is. And he shares the gospel. And to this day, the island of Malta is a Christian island because Paul washed up on the shore, built a fire, and he preached the gospel. Most people would be rebuking the shipwreck. Paul was like, God, I trust you. And God's like, if you will allow me to order your steps, you will find yourselves in places that you never thought possible because I'm the God of the uncharted waters. I'm the God that leads you. I'm actually the God that will give you greater joy than you ever imagined. And your destination may not be my destination. So trust him and ask him to guide you and to lead you. We serve a tremendous God that we can have confidence in him when you don't see what he's doing. You know he's faithful, he's doing something. You can have, you can trust him. So I encourage you today, say yes to God when you don't fully understand the outcomes. Listen, your responsibility is obedience. His responsibility is the outcome. You need to understand that. Your responsibility is obedience by faith. His responsibility is the outcome. Don't measure your obedience off of the outcome. That's his deal. You just obey God, amen? and live and walk by faith and in uncharted territory. Let's lift our faith to actually believe God wants to do remarkable things through our individual lives personally, but also us communally as a church, amen? God wants to use you. I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't know how, why God led me back here, I don't know, but here I am because God leads and God guides. And whether I, I wanted to or not is, is irrelevant. I'm here. And God wants to lead you to places that you never thought you would be. And he wants to guide you and he wants to show you he is faithful. And then here's the last thing. He wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your life. So that when the world looks at you and says, why, why are you blessed? Because I, I obey God. Well, why do you do that? Because 
He's been faithful to me, and I'm going to be faithful to him. So friends, God's got some great things in front of us, and we can learn from the Apostle Paul. If we'll say yes, we'll find ourselves doing things that are remarkable and we never thought possible. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word that speaks to us. Thank you for, um, thank you for the life of Paul that you rescued and he committed his life to be a servant to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we follow in his example and may we follow in your example that you came and you were obedient and you died for us so that we could have life and you filled us with your spirit so that you could guide us and lead us so that we could accomplish what you've called us to do and that we could build the kingdom on this earth. And so Lord, today, you know where we are, each of us individually. God, some of us are facing situations that are uncharted. We don't know why we are where we are right now, but God, may you remind us that you are with us, that you're ordering our steps, and that Lord, as we face these uncharted waters in our nation, in our city, that God, may we lift our eyes to the one who sees all things, that knows the end from the beginning, that is looking for those who will just say yes and respond to your voice. So God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never put your faith in him and asked him to cleanse you of your sins and to give you his righteousness. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just hold it up right now. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else want to give your life? Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I want to lead you in a prayer and we're going to all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And you did it so that I could be saved. I put my faith in you today. I trust you. I give you my life. And so from this moment forward, I belong to you. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Well, friends, um, if you gave your life to Jesus, I just encourage you to take that next step, and we'll be honored to walk with you. Let's all stand to our feet. Friends, I love you. I'm grateful to be a part of your church family. I'm going to pray for you, and our prayer team would be honored to pray with you um, at the end of service if you have any needs whatsoever. So if you can, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I pray you bless your people, bless every household, every individual, lead and guide them, open doors that only you can open, close doors that we really want you to close. God, guide us and lead us, and we recommit our lives to you to be people of faith, to be light in a dark world. And we leave here today entering our mission field to be led of you and to be lights for those who are lost. And God, may you bless your people and prosper us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.